Hello, this is the Fun Kids Bookworms podcast, where you get to find out about the best books from the people who write them. I'm Bex, and this week you're going to hear me chat to the legend that is Adam Hills, all about his brand new book, Rockstar Detectives. We'll be checking in with Chris Riddell, former children's laureate, about his reimagining of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, and one of my faves, L.D. Lipinski, will be reading from her Strange World travel agency book. So first, let's go back to the beginning, shall we? I recently spoke to actual broadcasting and Paralympic and comedian and now writing legend, Adam Hills, all about his brand new book. I am joined right now by comedian, presenter and now children's author, Adam Hills. Hey, Adam, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. I like being introduced like that. Well, it's all factually correct, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it's all accurate. <laughs> no, it's just a, a different title to have at the front. I guess, I guess so, because this is your first children's book, is that right? Yes, it is, yes. So uh, Rockstar Detectives, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed, and I did not get who the, the I don't want to spoil it, I didn't get who the culprit was. I'm going to put it out there. Hey, excellent. I, honestly, I, when it was revealed, I was genuinely shocked, and I was annoyed at you as well, because I was like, I should have got that. <laughs> well, funnily enough, um, before Christmas, I went into a studio to record the audio version of the book. Okay. And so that's a strange thing because then you read the whole book back. It's just you and a guy in the next room monitoring all the sound levels and someone on the other end of the line who's listening in on a Zoom call just to make sure it all, it all works as well. And so we ended up building up this relationship between the three of us where after every few chapters, we'd kind of pause and one of them would go, hmm, I think it's this person. And they'd go, yeah, I think it's this person. And then when we got to the end of the book, both of them said, oh, I did not pick that at all. <laughs> Great. And my main worry when I was writing the book was that it might be too obvious. Nope. But apparently not. No, apparently it was hidden quite well. Honestly, I was guessing every person apart from the person. So, um, <laughs> excellent. Oh, man, I, again, I'm, I'm cross at you, but you know, well done, I guess. <laughs> um, so, we should tell everybody the book is called Rockstar Detectives. And on the face of it, you think it's going to be a kind of crime caper book, but there's also more to it. You've got music in there, you've got performing, you've got traveling, you've crammed loads of genres into one uh, big adventure. It's basically everything I know. It's it's great. I mean, the story came about because of my daughter. So my daughter, who was eight at the time, had said that she couldn't decide if she wanted to be a rock star or a detective when she grows up. Great. And was quite perplexed by this conundrum. Um, so I said to her, well, as far as I know, you can be both. You can be a rock star who, you know, solves crimes in your spare time. Or, And then I kind of got thinking about it and went, actually, that's not a bad idea for a story. And then she and I started to plot out this idea of a little bit of a mystery. And um, so we came up with the idea of Charlie and George, two 12-year-olds. She's the rock star. He's the social media manager uh, doing their first ever tour with their mum's cousin as the manager, taking them around. And then valuable pieces of art being stolen from art galleries wherever they perform, when they perform, and then all the evidence looking like they did it. So basically, looks like someone's framing them. They've got to try and work out who's doing all this. And so my daughter and I kind of came up with this story together. And then I went, right, I'll go off and write this. And I just threw everything I knew at it, everything I knew from touring, everything I knew from hosting a music show in Australia, a TV show, even the places that they visit, 
other places that we went to on holidays with my wife and kids in 2019. And the acknowledgements in the back, you said that your daughters kind of inspired the the best personality traits in Charlie and George. Um, kind of how 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 did they help you to create those characters? Well, funnily enough, the, the characters. I mean, Charlie is definitely based on my eldest. It's and, and in fact, she has said that if if the book gets turned into a movie, she is playing Charlie in the movie. George was originally more based on me. Um, but as I, as I wrote more of the book, and especially last year, I spent seven months in the UK away from my wife and kids. And I realised as I was writing it, oh, these are, I'm, sp- I'm spending time with them as if they're my kids now. And <laughs> Charlie is like my eldest, very stylish, bit of a rock star. George is like my youngest, who just wants to be a comedian and just can't resist a good joke when she hears one. And she's just got an inbuilt, I watched her the other day create a joke. I watched her say the word doctor and then soon afterwards she said the word dog about something else and then I saw her go, oh, hang on, and she thought about <laughs> it for a second and she went, Daddy, what What do you call a dog that likes operating on patients? And I went, what? She said, a dogter. And I went, nice work. And it wasn't so much the joke as the way she put it together. I saw her brain go, dog, dog, dogter, dogter. How do I get to dogter? Go back. How do you, what do you call a doctor, that, a dog that wants to be? And then it was perfect. So, yeah, she's got a real comedy twist to the way she thinks. And tell me, do we have, because uh, it seems like the kind of story that we could see a sequel and then we could see a third and fourth book. Do we, I assume we're going to be seeing more of Charlie and George. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I wrote the first book knowing what I wanted the second book to be. So there are even some little clues in the first book as to what the second book will be. What? <laughs> <laughs> you have so, to go reread for Easter eggs. Okay, good. How much? I, I mean, I think I can. T- I can. I'm sure I can tell. I can tell you the name of the second book. Anyway, the name of the second book will be Movie Star Detectives. Ooh. Still okay. Charlie and George, though. Okay, okay. I like this little progression. They're, they're promoting themselves in the world. They're going up there. They're going to be multimedia, kind of expanding. Um, Oh man, this is exciting stuff. Thank you. <laughs> little, little Fun Kids exclusive. Uh, now, before I let you go, we do um, have a thing. Every author I interview on Fun Kids, I do like quick fire round of questions with them. I wondered if I could oh, do okay. that with you. Okay. Yes, please. No, no pressure. Like, I'm not going to judge you. Don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> um, first one, super easy. Uh, books or Kindles? Books. Yeah, everyone says it. Hero, heroes or villains? Oh, I like heroes. I do like a hero. I'm a bit of a goody two shoes, so I like a hero. I'll give you that. Um, Film adaptation or TV adaptation? Oh, wow. TV adaptation, because you've got more time to go into all the details. Film, you have to cram it into two hours. TV, you can let it breathe a bit. Yeah, you know, when I started asking that question, people were always like, film, film, film. And now everyone's like, actually, Netflix. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Winter Olympics or Summer Olympics? Whoa! Well, I'm going to go Paralympics for a start because I prefer that to the Olympics. But winter or summer? No, you can't. That's like saying yin or yang or sweet or sour. You've got to have both. Oh, amazing. Um, Hogwarts or Narnia? (sighs) Hogwarts. I don't, I'm not, I'm not as familiar with Narnia as I am with Hogwarts. Hogwarts for me feels more comforting. So I'm going to say Hogwarts. I'm the same. Um, Edinburgh Festival or Melbourne Festival? Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
I won't lie, I have some friends who do comedy, so I've, I've heard a lot about the Melbourne Festival and I know the Edinburgh very well. And I just wanted to know what your point of view was. Oh, again, again, that's like, what was the, there's like the winter and summer Paralympics. You, you can't have one without the other. I can't choose between those two. A very good diplomatic answer. Um, Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh? What are you doing? This isn't fair. <laughs> Why do I have to choose one of them? Uh, I mean, they're almost the same, aren't they? My, one of my favourite books ever is The Tao of Pooh, and it talks about how Winnie the Pooh is basically the essence of the Chinese spiritual practice of Taoism. And, um, but I would suggest that Paddington Bear is, is also uh, an, an essence of Taoism. Ah! Okay, I'm going to say Paddington Bear because, because I grew up with him. I read him first and he was closer to my heart. He holds your heart. Okay, fair. Oh. Um, now, f- finally, the last one is the most important one, and this is the one I will judge you for. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, no pressure, but, I mean, if you get it wrong, I will terminate the interview immediately, to be honest. Um, salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? Cheese and onion. Oh, such a shame. Such oh, a shame. I oh, no. Again, that was one of those ones where it just depends on the mood that I'm in. Sometimes it'll be salt and vinegar. Sometimes I want a bit of a tang and sometimes I want a bit of kind of the the cheesiness. But I'm sorry. It's been lovely. I thought we could be friends. Lock and report, to be honest. Absolutely gone. Uh, <laughs> no, of course I would, because uh, your book was so good, I couldn't do that to you, Adam. Um, we should just say it is out right now. Rockstar Detectives is out. People need to go and buy it. And um, hopefully we'll be able to talk very soon, maybe in person about the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh book. Is that, is that all right? We're hoping that uh, Movie Star Detectives might be this time next year. Perfect. I will see you then and I'll give you okay. more difficult questions. <laughs> and then go back and read Rockstar Detectives and see if you can work out what the movie's about. Setting me homework already. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much to Adam. I can feel Adam Hills becoming a friend of the show. I can feel the chance that I'm going to interview him many more times. Fingers crossed I am correct. Uh, next up, we're going to go over to Chris Riddell. He recently reimagined Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. I'm joined down the line by the amazing illustrator Chris Riddell. Hello, welcome to Fun Kids. Hello. I'm so, so thrilled to uh, to have you because... Honestly, we've been searching for a long time. We've been um, very much excited to have you on Fun Kids. And especially now you've got a brand new book out, a reimagining of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Well, yes, I've um, illustrated uh, my uh, version of Alice in Wonderland. um, And it feels like joining a a wonderful club because some of my favourite illustrators have illustrated editions of Alice in Wonderland. Um, People like John Tenniel, who's one of my absolute favourites, and Arthur Rackham, and Tove Janssen, who did the Moomin uh, saga. Um, And I've been allowed by the wonderful folks at Macmillan to join them and do my version. What made you want to do this story? Was was it something that was important to you as a kid or did you just think there's so many ideas that I could cram in there? Oh no, hugely important to me as a kid. I uh, I loved my edition of Alice in Wonderland when I was growing up and I was completely obsessed with the White Rabbit and uh, I used to copy John Tenniel's illustration <laughs> of the White Rabbit at the beginning of the book. Um to try and understand how he managed to get so much character 
into this this figure um, and I would just copy and copy and copy to see whether I could sort of get close to what John Tenniel managed. Now I was going to ask you this because you know it's been like you say a lot of versions of it and also on film quite a lot did you feel the pressure to either make something totally different or even better like what was going through your head? I just didn't want to uh, worry too much about not being like Tenniel, who I absolutely love. And I didn't want to worry too much about being wildly different. So yes, what I, I decided to do, I think, is just just really enjoy uh, Lewis Carroll's wonderful text um, and just let my imagination go. So I wasn't worried too much about whether it was similar or not similar to to other people's versions. Um, And I just had great fun in Wonderland. Yeah, you know, I've seen the book and the illustrations are beautiful. And also, I don't think people will understand just how many there are. Like, it's just packed full of amazing pictures it must have taken you ages well uh once i started i couldn't finish so um (laughs) i just turning every page i realized that there's a lot of wonderland that hasn't been illustrated before uh and i wanted to illustrate everything so um yes 320 pages um and an illustration uh on every page um, and often double pages with, with which are full of illustrations. So um, I, I just really had such a lot of fun with this. Was there a particular bit of the story that you were really excited about drawing that you couldn't, your, your hands were almost itching to get down on paper? Um, certainly the White Rabbit is the very first illustration. Um, but I also loved the uh, caucus race with all the different animals running around on the shore of the lake created by Alice's own tears. Of Um, course. Enjoyed that a lot. But I think the most interesting illustration for me is at the beginning where I uh, attempted to draw a map of Wonderland so that it fitted in with uh, Alice's journey through the book. Um, and I think I've made sense of it, uh, <laughs> where the uh, the White Rabbit's house is and where the March Hare's house is in relation to the Hatter's house, um, where the uh, Queen plays croquet and where you meet the, the Mock Turtle um, by the seashore. So I try to place all the different places in Wonderland on a map. And I don't think I've seen that before in the other editions. Well, I was going to say the same to you, actually. It's kind of helpful because... Alice in Wonderland, it is, uh, it's a bit nonsensical. It's a bit, you know, it's full of chaos. And in a way, it was kind of helpful to just have it put there in front of me before I read the book. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course, I can place everything a little bit better now. It's really helpful. So you're right. It is nonsensical. But it is about, I think, Alice's journey through Wonderland, um, experiencing Wonderland uh, in different scales. So at one point, she's very, very small. She's small enough to peer over the top of a a toadstool and have a conversation with a caterpillar. And at another time, (laughs) she's big enough to fill almost an entire bedroom and scare um, the guinea pig gardeners uh, by sticking her enormous arm out of the window. Um, And at other times, she is normal size when she is playing croquet with uh, a flamingo. So you're right, it, it is nonsensical, but it has its own sort of logic that runs through it. It is. Oh, man, it's such a beautiful book. I loved it so much. It's it's such an exciting uh, reimagining of it. Chris Riddell, thank you so much for chatting to us for Fun Kids. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in person one day soon. Oh, I do look forward to that. 
Okay, now I did promise you a reading from L.D. Lipinski. I love L.D. Lipinski. I think she's great. And she has her Strange World Travel Agency series out. And this is a reading from Edge of the Ocean. Hi everyone, I'm Eldie Lipinski. I'm the author of the Strange Worlds Travel Agency series. And the second book, The Edge of the Ocean, has just come out in bookshops right now. And I thought I'd give you guys a bit of a sneak peek at the very first chapter to the new book. So this is the prologue. People called them pirates. And the sailors who lived in the world of the break wore that title with pride. Because when you live on a ship, and your life includes a lot of skullduggery and scallywaggery, What else would you call yourself but pirate? Every one of them certainly looked the part, and the crew who called Knife Shaban their captain were not without style. The sailor's appearance was as artful as it was necessary. Prosthetic legs were carved with delicate rising waves, and eye patches were made of softened leather with the crest of the ship sewn onto them. Captain Knife's own eye patch, nestled in the hollow of where her left eye used to be, had a spray of blue embroidered on it, a homage to her flagship, the Aconite, named after the poisonous blue flower. That night, Knife was engrossed in a map in front of her. She had not looked at the clock in her cabin for some time. Clocks were very important in the break, because the sunrises and sunsets were so unreliable. Knife had been poring over a collection of maps and charts for most of the day. A half-eaten meal had been buried under an unfurled scroll several hours ago. Knife ran her hand over the map. It was circular, coloured in vivid inks and sealed with varnish. The surface shone and cracked. It was a map of her entire world, the world of the break. A knock sounded on her cabin door. Yes, she said, keeping her eyes down. Captain, Jeremy, the second mate, stuck his head around the door. It's getting dark and there's still no sign of the Nasta. He paused, shifting the weight of the truth he carried before dropping it. The ship's gone, Captain. Knife looked up from her chart. For a moment, worry flickered behind her eye, and then it vanished, replaced by her usual unreadable chill. Tell the crew to batten down and get themselves some food. If they can't find the ship in the light, I doubt they'll find it in the dark. Jeremy nodded and excused himself. Knife leant back and adjusted one of the markers on her map. In the centre of the mostly blue world was a brown island that looked like a round of bread torn open. The break. The largest island in the waters and the one knife's world was named after. A splatter of other islands spiralled out into the blue, but none of them rivalled the landmass of the break. A sailor would need more than a day to walk from one side to the other. There was a time, when knife was younger, that the map she'd been looking at had been twice the size. Over the years, the map had been trimmed down, cut away, as the sea became smaller. It had been happening for so long now that Knife couldn't remember a month going by when the map had stayed as it was. Knife Shaban took out a thin blade from the collection at her belt. She stabbed quickly into the edge of the map and skimmed the blade around the edge of the circle, shaving off a slice no wider than her thumbnail. She picked up the hoop of chart and crumpled it in her hand before dropping it into the waste paper basket. The world is shrinking, she said to no one. Then she took out a piece of thick recycled paper and a writing set. She had a letter to send. No, not a letter. A summons. Before I let you go, just got to remind you there are some brilliant new books coming out at the moment. Uh, one is Mayor Bunny's Chocolate Town. Sounds delicious and delightful. Now, can a whole town be made of chocolate? Well, Mr Bunny says so, yes, but maybe that's just because he wants to be mayor. 
Will Cooptown end in Meltdown? I mean, that's a great tagline, isn't it? I just want to read a book made of chocolate, to be honest. Um, Technically, this book is just kind of drawings of things made of chocolate, but one day, eventually, fingers crossed, I will be given a book literally made of chocolate, and I will eat it before it melts and after I get a chance to read it. Anyway, that's just by the by. Uh, The other book at the moment that you want to be checking out is John Agard's Windrush Child, illustrated by Sophie Bass. Now, this is a really amazing story about a child's journey to England on board the boat The Empire Windrush from an internationally celebrated, multi-award winning poet. In the book, you've got a child saying goodbye to his grandmother and to the shores of his Caribbean home, then stepping into quite an adventure across the ocean to an unknown horizon and a lot of hope. It is a beautiful book and uh, the story of Windrush is just one that I think everybody should find out about. So John Agard's Windrush Child and Ellis Dolan's Mayor Bunny's Chocolate Town are two books to check out. And that's pretty much it from me this week. Thank you so much to Adam Hills, to Chris Riddell, to LD Lipinski and to you for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, remember to rate, review, subscribe, follow us wherever it is you get your podcast from and I will see you soon, bookworms. Bye.